Yo, 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 we live on location with another Knuckleheads Classic. For this episode, hey man, it's all D Miles, man. You got your brother from another mother. You the blackest one, he the blackest one. What's going on? Who is it? Man, we got Tim Thomas, black on black. Ooh. Tim Thomas, one of the best high school players I ever seen in Alpha. my life. Hey, man, one of the coldest dudes I ever seen in high school, man. He was doing everything. And he's one of my favorite hoopers of all time, man. Philly boy, you know, representing, man. Tim Thomas. Man, just the episode was just crazy just to talk to Tim Thomas and have this, these conversations with Tim Thomas, the relationships he have, and how he like me, like black on black. Yeah, man, it was dope to him. Like, he's one of them guys that really got to play against a young Kobe and came up in that era. He's from Jersey, man. He he represent now, back moved back to Jersey, got an academy, got schools, got a program there doing his thing, man. Tim, I had the fortune of being his teammate in New York, got a chance to know him a little bit better. But, man, like you said, one of the absolute coldest high school players I've ever seen. Like how people say, like, this dude is a youth. Like, he was 6'9 and not little. He, I, I can't tell you his weight, but he was 6'9 and then everything was easy. He could do everything. Handle, shoot, score, dribble, post, rebound, block shots. He did everything. But Black, I know I know this one was special to you. This is your brother in blackness. So tell me what he meant to you and your career. Because he's one of them high school phenoms like you that paved the way for, for everything you did to kind of be possible. He, he laid some bricks in that foundation, even though he didn't go straight out of high school. He could have. Yeah, I never had a chance to see him in person. It's just that uh, I had a homeboy that used to have VCR tapes for some of you younger. What's up with you and these VHS-VCR tapes? Well, you, you believe in it. Did you have a combo to TV and the, and the VCR stacked on both of them? You getting, you getting old, man. You know, <laughs> you getting old. But these VCR tapes, my homeboy had some VCR tapes of his games, man. And I just seen the, probably about three or four of his games. And, man, the way he played, how he played, the swag he had and all that stuff, I just had to add it to my game, man, and go out there. And he was black like me. So this episode aired uh, July 14th, 2020, man. Check this out. Timmy. Tim Thomas. First question we ask everybody when they come on our show is, when you first got to the league, who was the first person to bust your ass? Yeah, straight, Whoa. straight to uh, Steve Smith. Ooh, Smitty. <laughs> the Smitty. Yeah, it was slow, but it was right to the point, man. You know, Steve was great in the pick and roll setting. You know, another 6'8", 6'9", guy get a shot off. Yeah. And he only needed, you know, so much room to get a shot off. Just couldn't figure it out. I do remember my first four preseason games. First game at North Carolina, we played the Bulls. Oh. And then we went to New York. Then we came home, played the Pistons, and then we played in Atlanta. And Good. Smitty, I think that game he had about 40, Ooh. maybe 35, 40. It was preseason early. So he was he was getting getting himself going. Mookie back in the day. Yo, 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 live on location. Me and D Miles, I stay in our asses at home here in Orlando trying to stay safe. And we got our OG big brother, New Jersey legend, New Jersey player in the building with us live on location from LA, California. Tim Thomas in the building, y'all. What it do, T? What's up? What's up, fellas? What's going on? I was coming up early there was three guys that was my skin color that was the shit <laughs> hey. and you one of them guys Kemp one of them guys and Garnett one of them guys when I first seen tape on you in high school it was just like man that dude looked exactly like me I want to be like that dude smooth as hell you know what I'm saying Patterson New Jersey mm-hmm how was it going to Patterson Catholic and doing what you did in Patterson Catholic? Because Patterson, general in New Jersey, is like 
East St. Louis and Chicago in yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the passing Catholic, how was that? It was different because the two dominant schools was Eastside High, where they have the infamous Lean On Me movie, and then Kennedy High School. So those schools was well established, and then going to pass the Catholic was something totally different, something totally new. They was known as Punk City because you know <laughs> it's a Catholic school. They had the best looking girls and all that kind of stuff. Right. So going in, just changing the culture was was everything, and then. You know, being the number one freshman in the country, it kind of helped as well. So I was considered like the Tony Soprano of New Jersey at that particular time. Uh-huh. No one wanted to come to New Jersey to see me, you know, nor did they want us to come see them. So right. um, in a four-year span, God rest his soul, in a four-year span, me and Kobe was one and two in the country, yeah. right? We're an hour and a half away from each other, never played a game against each other. That's crazy. Yeah, we played AAU ball together, but that was, you know, a little younger. But I'm talking like our high school days. Right. We could have been one-on-one, you know. Hour and a half away from each other, never made it happen. That is crazy. So how about this? Do you remember, I can't, I want to say it was, it had to be 96, 97. Y'all came to Chicago for the Hoops in the Loop Classic. Yeah. Bruh, now this the first time... I see you in person. I'm young boy. I was, what am I, 15, 16, freshman, sophomore. I think I was a sophomore then. I'm up in that joint. And they were like, yeah, this is, you know, Tim Thomas, blah, blah, you know, you and what was his name? Kevin, um, Kevin Freeman. Kevin Freeman, Kevin Freeman had stupid yeah. bounce too. These like the first yeah. two dudes I see when well, I'm like, yo, these dudes look like pros, like grown men. Kevin Freeman was like 6'6", <laughs> six, six, these throwing that thing. This man, like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, just look, I'm talking about everything about him. He was physically bigger than everybody. He had the lightest, like, 30-whatever or 40-whatever and, like, 15, 20 boards. And they, all I remember is the, the, the head just bopping while he running down smooth, hitting threes, posting people up, like, catching the ball, just like, oh, uh, they little. He just looking like his facial expression everything is just like this light. I was like, dude. Tim, I never forget. After that, I was like Tim Thomas, the coldest high school player I've ever seen in person. At that point, bro, like, how was that when you came to Chicago? Like, was that one of the few times where did y'all travel out of the state a lot? Now we always traveled out of the state to play, you know, against the best teams in the best showcases or tournaments. Being in Chicago was cool. We just heard a lot of talk about Ronnie Fields and KG, yeah, and a lot of people wanted us to play in that particular tournament. I don't think the scheduling worked out because I believe they went somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, they did. It was cool, man. It was cool. I mean, Chicago has a lot of history. I mean, as far as you know, with the game and, and as many players as you guys put in the lead and all that kind of stuff. So it, it was cool to be in Chicago, man. Yeah. How was it like, you know, East St. Louis is a small, small city and, and it's in between St. Louis and it's in between Chicago. And to be in a small town, to get fame like you in the NBA, but you actually just in high school. Like, how was that experience for you? Like, we had we had a few guys. We had a few guys come before me. Roy Sparrow, who went to Villanova, yeah. played with the Knicks. <laughs> um, he still works in the NBA. Shout out, Roy. Uh, Dwight Wilber. Yeah, Dwight Wilber, who went to Nova as well. And then my guy James Scott went to St. John's and played with the Miami Heat for like two years. No one has done it like I've done it on, on the scale. As far as, you know, being a senior in high school, having an opportunity to, you know, go straight to the lead and all that kind of stuff. It was different. I think overall, it definitely put our city back on the map. And it kind of paved the way for some of the youngsters that came behind, you know. Hey, you came up in that era where, you know, the basketball camps and Adidas, this was when the legendary, it was, the legend was made up. So I want to know, because I know I came the following year. The year before I heard how epic it was with you, Kobe, and then all of the young guys, the Elton that was there my year, but they were a year younger. So tell me how was that when you set foot in that setting and you knew this was where your proving grounds was going to be? How how was that experience for you? I tell you what, the kids of today wouldn't be able to survive. (laughs) Wouldn't be able to survive it at all. I mean, it was it was war. Honestly, I mean, each and every game, you was really going up against somebody that was a dog. Yeah. Uh, it's not like now where you can hide kids in the Under Armour circuit or the Nike circuit or 
things like that. I mean, you had to face guys, no matter if it was in the AAU settings or camp. Right. You had to run into those guys and you had to show and prove. It was war, man. It was war. I mean, it was competitive. Guys didn't care about names, rank, right. or anything. You know, when you're going up against somebody, that's just what it is. I remember my, I think it was our junior year going into our senior year at ABCD yeah. camp. Kobe actually took over the number one rank. Yeah, I was playing against Jermaine O'Neal, and I was tearing him up, dumped the ball, ripped my fingernail off, and I couldn't play anymore the rest of the camp. Mm. And Kobe was just killing. I'm sitting on the side just watching him, you know, kill. But, yeah, man, these kids of today, man, they wouldn't be able to survive back then the way AAU was. It was like the wild, wild west. You could get players from anywhere. Like Kobe said and and Vince said, we definitely played on the greatest AAU team ever, beating people by 60 points. I mean, you just can't, you know, match what we had. Yeah, man, it, it was different. It was definitely different back in the day. That was a time when you heard somebody name and Tim Thomas and everybody raving for you. But just as much as everybody raving for you, people want to take a shot at the title. Facts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These days, I don't really see that as back in our days. It was like, if you got a name or you got anything, you need to be prepared every game because they come. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? The best one, people want to get their rankings up and all that. And back in the, the 90s, it was even more... Because we didn't have too much stuff to go to. You couldn't, like you say, you couldn't hide people and people had a price on your head. Yeah. Even back then, though, you would find some of the, because I remember our year going into our senior year when it was big, Nike camp was so loaded that we had some of the Adidas guys. Like Rashard Lewis was an Adidas guy coming Mm -hmm. up, but when we went to the camp, he had to come to Nike because if he wanted to get his ranking, he had to come where basically the whole top 15 was at Nike. So he couldn't yeah. be over at Adidas and, like, killing some non-top. He wasn't going to prove his ranking. So he got to that point to where, like, okay, we got – I know we're doing this, but I got to go here because I got to be where it's at. That was just a difference back then. I remember when I first went to Adidas camp was the year the T-Mac came from out of nowhere and went crazy. And they had – Yeah, they had, the, windmill, the windmill and the all-star oh game my, went straight to the league. The whole, I was one of the guys <laughs> in the bleachers that went crazy jumping around. It was ridiculous, bro, but – that was, that was actually that was the first yeah. time I, I was like this. I was like, oh snap. Like I was I did not have a good camp. I was sitting there like, yo, right. I gotta get in the lab. Like it's real. Like a LO dribbling down the court at 16 under his legs and then skipping the ball and yeah. doing stuff. It was Khalid El Amin was crazy then. It was I was looking around yeah. like, man, Greedy Daniels was a fool mm-hmm. with it. It was some boys in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it's different times, different times. Your McDonald's game experience, how was that with all that store power on the McDonald's team when you went? Oh, man, 96 was cool, man. We played down in at the University of Pitt. Like I said earlier, me and Kobe, our rooms was probably like four rooms apart, but we were just trying to figure each other out at that moment as far as who was really going to make that jump going to the league. Stack uh, Jack was on that. Uh... Yeah, Steven Jackson, <laughs> man, Mike Bibby, Rip, Rip Hamilton. Jermaine is on that team as well. Lester Earl. I mean, the list just goes. I remember Lester Earl, too. Yeah, Lester Earl was an animal. But, yeah, man, I mean, it was a great experience, man. It was the first time for a lot of us playing on national TV, really showcase our talent. For me, that's what it was about. I just wanted to showcase to everyone that, you know, I was just a little different than everyone. You know, being 6'10", you know, 240 pounds at that time, you know, can handle the ball like a guard can post and do so many different things and also shoot that long ball. So, you know, I was just a little different, a little ahead of my time, just like you, D. I mean, when we came in, you came into the league. But it was an exciting time, man. And then to flip it around and play two weeks later in the Magic Round Ball game, that was, you know, another experience where we got to be around some of the NBA players. Like Kareem was out there. Grant Hill was there. Isaiah Thomas. Magic, of course, was there. And just being able to break bread with them, get some insight on our decision was very helpful. And I really think being in Detroit with all those guys really helped Kobe make his decision 
I'm going straight to the league. Hey, how cool was it when you was at the McDonald's game, like every hour or so, they just come in with all of that McDonald's food and the chill and the little, <laughs> and the little hospitality suite. You got like all the video right. games. It is like unlimited food. Like what? You know, we back then, right. McDonald's was everything, bro. Like then, you know, the whole behind the scenes aspect, when you had a big ceremony, they fit you for tuxedos, you get the rings and you get to meet John Wooden and stuff. I still got pictures right now. From me and yeah. me and Corey Maggetti, like me and C go back to sixth grade and we got the experience that pitches with his parents, my parents, and we got on the tuxedos with John Wood and it's like I had never been sized up for a tuxedo and got a, you know what I'm saying, yeah. did all those things. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us, you know, went through that same process and was excited about it. I mean, you, you know, we all came from the inner city, so yeah. it was all new Straight to us. Up. You know, a tuxedo with a bow tie, man, like like, cumberbund. <laughs> like, what? How you do yeah, this? Like, like, yeah. And I got my buttons on the right <laughs> way. Like, what's going on? But um, it was one of those experiences for all of us, really. I mean, a lot of us playing that on national TV and going through those experiences, meeting different people. You know, the heads and the CEOs yeah. of McDonald's. You know, getting that free food, and <laughs> the French fries always hot, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was just everything, man. I mean, they really make you feel like you're really on your way to becoming, you know, a superstar. Straight up. He was one of the guys that I just knew for sure was going to come straight out of high school. The buzz around you, you was already equipped with that shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I couldn't believe that you actually – didn't go to the pros, and Villanova won the most popular team at mm -hmm. the time for you to be the number one or the number two player to even choose. That. Right. What made you decide not to go pro, even though everybody's thinking you're going pro, and right. choosing Villanova? Well, the thing about the whole pro thing was that, first of all, I had nieces and nephews that was coming behind me, so I wanted to you know, set an example with that. But the whole pro thing was I wanted to be top ten in any draft. So the year 96, me and Kobe going through the McDonald's game. And at that particular time, I think me and him both was either 13 or 20, somewhere in that area. And for me, like I said, I always wanted to be top 10. So when we realized what we was at on the board, that's when we kind of made the decision. Like, okay, let's go to college for one year, tear up. And then, you know, we'll definitely be in that top 10 category. So picking Villanova, they had Jason Lawson and Alvin Williams, guys that was considered to be pros. Seton Hall and Rutgers didn't really have any, anybody at that particular time. Although I could have went to Seton Hall and played with Shaheen Holloway, but mm -hmm. I chose to go, you know, down to Philly and, and play with two guys that I, I was thinking that was going to be pros, which, you know, turned out to be true. So that's why I chose Villanova. Also, Lapis was going to allow me to play the three. With my size, a lot of schools was recruiting me as a four. But I just wanted to show that I had that bag. You know, Lapis, you know, allowed me to play the three, and I went and, you know, became national freshman of the year. And then I was in the top ten category. So that was mainly the decision right there. You decided to go out. How many workouts yeah. did you have to go through? That's funny, man. I went through maybe three workouts. Look. Mm -hmm. So I went, I went Philly, Jersey twice. And then Boston, because Boston had the third and sixth pick, I believe. Oh, okay. So with Boston, you know, I kind of egged Rick Patino off during my high school days. <laughs> um, he actually flew me all the way to Kentucky for a Boston workout. <laughs> wow. and, and just basically had me running the entire time. Oh, he <laughs> that was for that. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I basically told my agent, I tell him at the time, I said, well, it won't be Boston. Right. <laughs> Because I'm not just going to come down here and just run suicides. You know what I can do. Like, come on, don't play me like that. So you being in Philly and you get drafted for Philly, like, was you excited to be drafted with Philly? Oh, man, actually, um, being drafted seventh, actually got drafted to the home team, to New Jersey first. Mm. Keith Van Horn got drafted. Right. He, to that's right, that's right. Uh -huh. Yeah, but Keith Van Horn had the power agent. He had David Falk. <laughs> the power. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. At that particular time, early, you know, late 90s, yeah, you know, he yeah. had the guy. Keith basically was like, he don't want to go down there and play with the brothers. Yeah. So that's how I got traded, actually, on draft day. For me, it was cool to go to Philly because I was a guy that can handle the ball, shoot the ball, 
I was quick enough to keep up with AI and Stackhouse. So I felt as though it was it was going to be you know a perfect blend for us yeah. with Stack being at the two, Allen at the one, and me at the three. Yeah. But my rookie, Larry Brown, just tried to run me in the ground, man. He just tried yeah. to, you know, run me in the ground, keep me keep me off the court as much as he can. Because they, they seen the potential in me. And then going into my second year, going back to the, the power agent, <laughs> he pretty much got me up out of there. A lot of people forget that he had Allen Iverson as well yeah. early on. You know, that's why you see Allen playing with all of the role players. Because they basically put that, you know, put that team together. I enjoyed it, man. I thought that if I would have stayed in Philly, I could have been, you know, Allen's Pippen. Could have got it done. Because I didn't need a lot of shots to get my numbers. Right. And that's no knock against Chuck. But, you know, you give me 15, I'm going to come out with 20. Right. You know, 20, 20 plus, you know. So, yeah. I mean, it, it was just, you know, for me, um, being close to home, being in the area where I knew, um, going to school there and all that. I mean, it, it just made sense. It was perfect for me. We got in the league in 2000. And... The Lakers ran off three straight. But right. that year, we watched so much basketball. But that year, the only team that I felt could beat them was the Bucks. Mm-hmm. With you, Sam Cassell, Big Dog. Like, right. y'all squad was equipped to beat them. And y'all beat them twice, like I think, yeah. for two oh, years. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like we watching the game. And I felt like Philadelphia cheated y'all. <laughs> <laughs> There was a lot of conspiracy behind that. Them Bucks teams with Ray and Sam and you and Big Dog mm-hmm. and like all that. Y'all was trying to get over that hump because I felt like, shit, y'all was like, we used to call y'all two point geezers. Like, right. <laughs> none of y'all missed. Right. <laughs> like, so. Well, well, for me, when I got traded there, I never really wanted to be there. I was trying to get out <laughs> from day one. Nobody wanted and to it- go to Milwaukee. <laughs> No, it wasn't because of the city. It was just because of the team. That's the what way I'm the team about. Was. Yeah, and I'm like, you have Big Dog. He's still, you know, in his contract, so he's going to play. You know how it goes. Right. The money plays before the talent. And then you had Ray, who was, you know, trying to establish himself. And then you had Sam coming off of winning two NBA championships. So <laughs> I'm like, listen, these guys, are they're enough. I don't need to be here. Like, you could have sent me to Memphis and let me – you know, figure it out because all my peers was in position where they was able to go out and do their thing. That's and then right. here I am, yeah, here I am coming from Philly where I can do my thing a little bit and then now I'm going to Milwaukee and now I got to figure out this six-man role. So it was difficult, but um, we had some great runs. We kept running into that talented Indiana team. Detroit used to beat us up, never wanted to let us in the playoffs. And then I just, I really still to this day don't know how we lost to Philly, you know, <laughs> conference finals. But, I mean, Allen was just, you know, terrific at, at that particular time, man. He was, a, he was a natural killer. We was right there. We was a very, very talented team, but we just never could get over that hump. That's a different perspective, though, that you're giving as far as, like, because I never thought about it, how you just said it. When you went there, I was just thinking, man, they about to get 10 times. They about to be even more loaded. But you're not thinking about it. I'm not, I'm not looking at it. If I look at it for me, you know, first couple years in the league, nah, we young guns. We trying to hit this springboard and go become who we want to be. And it's even more hard, like you say, when you see your peers in them positions, they being given them opportunities to go out there. So I can remember our rookie year, we on the Clippers. Of course, we already know going into the season – we're not going to make the playoffs, but, you know, we excited to play and we playing hard and we compete. Ah. Then when season over, season over, we go straight to the crib. I can remember sitting at the crib and watching Mo Pete for the Raptors be in the playoffs. And I was like, dang, bro. Like, this is what I wish I like, You know what I'm saying? He got drafted later. I'm like, I'm back there like, man, I'd have went 22 to be in the playoffs. And I like, forget it. Like, you know what I'm saying? But that's definitely a different perspective that me, even as a player, I was a young player then, but I wasn't looking at it like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, I was trying to get out, man, because I was still in my rookie deal. Right. Yeah. I really had no control, so the only way to get out was to be traded. You know, I went through my ups and downs, man. I was frustrated. At that time, I had Arn Tellum, who was really a baseball agent, you know, <laughs> yeah. coming into the basketball world, and he signed all the, the young bucks, like myself, Kobe, T-Mac. Uh, I believe Antoine was with us, Antoine Walker. Yeah, man, it was, it was difficult, you know, the game is the game, man. You just got to figure it out. Oh four, oh five. you go to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Like, New York, you right across mm-hmm. the wall to New Jersey. Like, right. how was that being in 
New York. Real, real close to crib. I know Philly was close, but New York right. was close. It was everything, man. Growing up as a Knicks fan, you know, having a couple of opportunities at high school to play in the garden. But to put on that Knicks gear, man, it meant everything to me, the family. It was just like a, you know, a dream come to when you could play for the home team, you know. I thought that we had a talented team early on, a lot of veteran guys, but we was kind of banged up a little bit. But it, it was a thrill, man, to, to be able to be home and, you know, be in that environment, playing the garden, get booed. You know, all of that kind of stuff that comes with it, man. You know, so it, it was great. Tell people about, you just said, like, being in the garden, they get booed, and just you being an East Coast Jersey guy, right. knowing how that is, just tell people how that is to be a Nick and that whole vibe. Because I remember when we was there, I used to look at you every day. It was <laughs> like me and you only got, like, 40 games in that season, guy. but I, my everlasting memory, I tell you this all the time, like, Tim was the happiest dude all the time. Tim come in, got that big cheese on, like, sup, doggy? Sup, doggy? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, yo. He like, man, it, like, none of it, like, you, to me, wore it and dealt with it. You know what I'm saying? You did your thing. You came, put in your work. You went to the games. And then, you know, you did your thing after. You didn't sweat it. Like, so tell me what was your perspective on all of that and how you dealt with it so well. I mean, growing up, you you know what it's about with the media and, and all of that with the vibes and stuff there. But a lot of people don't know, I lost my sister and my cousin within a two-week span mm-hmm. of that season. I mean, you know, Q, right. but I was just trying to hold it all in, you know, for the family and just have a different perspective on life and where I was at that particular time. I remember playing LeBron at home. I shot a straightaway three. And I hit the side of the backboard. <laughs> and the fans was just going crazy. Boom. <laughs> I'll never forget. LeBron ran down. was like, come on, man. You better than that. I know you're going through a lot, but you better than that. And that at that point right there, it kind of flipped for me because I, I realized, like, this is a game we love. And, you know, this is something that, you know, you can get your mind off it. You know, don't bring the death part of it to the arena, enjoy, you know, what you do with the fellas and traveling and, and the play. So that's why you always see me bubbly like that, Q, because it was like when I was able to leave the, the house environment and then get to work and be around the fellas and joke and all that stuff, that was my my energy right there. That was the vibes I, I needed at that particular time. Straight up. That was definitely what you showed too, bro. Hey, this is what I wanted to ask you, man, because I remember when we played together, I don't remember at what point I figured it out. How did you get tight with 50 and the G-Unit movement? Because I remember you coming in, you used to have G-Unit gear, and then fast forward to recent, you get the whole power season before everybody else get it, 50 feet. (laughs) I done seen it. 50 said him, though, he got the whole joint before it even come out. Like, yeah, he know you're going to be solid. Hey, 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 you know know me. I'm I'm with you. Because I remember when we was there, you had him come around a couple times. And I was like, man, Tim, like, sometimes really tight with 50, huh? Well, actually, what happened was the G-Unit office is right across the street. I remember that because we used to park right under there. Right, used to park right up under there. So one particular game, I don't know which game it was, Lloyd Banks came to an actual game, and the fans rushed him. Right. So my security went over to help him out, to hold him down for that actual game. So after the game, I don't know if you remember, that's when that was the time that Banks and I believe Yayo was with him. Came in a in locker, locker room. room, right? Yeah, and that's when the first introduction. Okay, happened. so all right, okay. Yeah. So from there, from that night, instead of going out to eat dinner, I went straight across the street to the office, right. and that's when I met Fifty and, and everybody. And you know, at that point, it just became a family thing. Everybody was just so down to earth and cool, whatever, whatever. And then, you know, they started coming around more to more games and stuff like that. And, yeah, his offices, we used to always, he used to always have his car over there, like a phantom with the cover on it and stuff. Cause I remember a couple of times my partner Rio used to tell me, like, man, Fiddy wanna wanna meet you one time, I want you to come to the office or whatever. We never got a chance to really make it happen. But we definitely that was like I was like, man, cause I remember you came, you had you used to have a gear on. Then I said, yo, I didn't know that was the first time you met him though, when they came in like I thought you had already knew him already and everything. No, uh, yeah, that was that was the very first time and you know, that's when he was super, super hot, you know. <laughs> that's um, what I'm saying, yeah. You know, going across the street and, you know, finally getting a chance to meet him. Just the way we vibe, man, was just, you know, it was just cool. I still got my Reebok G units to this day. 
<laughs> and my shot quarters. You got the Jordan babies. Hey, you, you yeah. Don't let MJ hear that. It's over. Hey, <laughs> Hey, look, you know me. I'm straight up and down. You see you see behind me, first and last. You know what I'm yeah, saying? That's some, that's some great pictures right there. How roller coaster is the season for you to go to three different cities and play for three different <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. how can you just explain? From New York, Chicago to Phoenix? <laughs> Man. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was in New York. And I was coming off the books, meaning that was the last year of my deal. Chicago was always upset at me because B.J. Armstrong, who retired, turned agent, well, I want to tell him, uh, my free agency year, went back and told the Bulls that I was coming to the Bulls. I was going to sign. I believe at that time it was after me and Eddie Jones come after the, the team that broke up and everything. And that's when they brought in the young fellas, Tyson and... Right. On our test and all those guys, yeah, yeah. but um, that's a forget- but yeah, man, that's a forgotten yeah. time. EJ in the Bulls uniform, I lightweight forgot <laughs> yeah. about that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that. That was their rookie year, and then I was like, now nah, I'm gonna go back to Milwaukee to try to you know get deep in the playoffs again or whatever, whatever. But no, man. Once I got to Chicago, it was basically you know it was putting me on the shelf due yeah. to what BJ said. So it was like you know you're not gonna play here. Uh, I believe that was Derrick Rose's rookie year or his second year. Mm-hmm. It was basically like, look, man, you're not going to play here. And they had Scott Skiles there. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> but he was, you know, got caught as an alcoholic back in the day. And you trying to, you know, <laughs> tell the old vet, you know, some of these young things to do and, and stuff like that. So <laughs> um, I basically was just trying to get up out of there. And then once they finally released me, they made me go west. So initially, I was going to go to San Antonio because at that time, San Antonio was going to the chip almost every year. But Phoenix was a great opportunity because the the big guys was hurt. Kurt Thomas and Stat was hurt at that time. So they basically said, look, if you come in, you're going to play right away, 30 games left, and then, you know, hopefully we have a nice run in the playoffs. And that's how it happened, man. It was crazy. The most important thing for me was just trying to find a way to stay in shape. You know, um, that was Dan Tony's well, system too, in Phoenix, right? Yeah, yeah. This was the crazy part. This was the stretch where I call it amazing because, like, as tough as it was, you went to all these teams, but then it was like you hit a stretch where it's like, all right, he might be out or whatever. I'm about to sign, play with like 40 games, and then bag me. <laughs> and then you know what I'm saying? Like, it was like because you got it to Phoenix and you balled out. So then you come to all season. Dallas had to hit you with a bag. You was probably the most the most well paid journeyman I've seen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how was that for you? Like I said, it was crazy, man. I mean, you know, playing in New York, starting the season off camp and all of that, and then getting traded. You know, midway through, getting to Chicago and just basically shutting everything down right. uh, as far as body and stuff like that. And then it got to a point where it was like, we don't even want you around the team. I was like, all right, perfect. Right. So at that time, the family was still living in New York. So I went back to New York. I was running through Manhattan, going to Basketball City, all that crazy stuff. Getting to Phoenix, man, I was just ready. You know, yeah. as, as players, if you get injured, you out two weeks. When you come back, it's like, it's on. Yeah, I remember because you know, so. that was always a theme in the games when you would be playing well. They'd be like, he's been sitting out and he hasn't. Like, so, yeah. like, Yeah. yeah. You know, and then at the same time was a free agent. So, you know, I wanted to put myself in a good position to get another bag. You know, and that was my third contract. And I actually went to the Clippers. I was really five minutes away from signing with the Lakers. Wow. So could you imagine me and L.O. on the same team with Cole? Ooh, that would have been crazy. um, That that was the same year uh, Romanovic was a free agent. He was coming from the Clippers. And we had just beat the Lakers and the Clippers in the playoffs. Both teams was looking for shooters. At that time, the Clippers offered four for 24. The Lakers offered four for 24. And Phoenix was three for 15. Before I can get back on the phone to call the Lakers and like, yeah, I'm going to take that deal. But Modovich had already took the deal. Uh. So that's how I ended up with the Clippers. During that old four, old five year, that's when I had purchased my house out here in, in L.A. So right. I wanted to, you know, go back home and finish it off. I want to talk about, like, basketball politics because people don't realize, like, in the NBA, 
You can be on a team, yeah. nothing wrong, and the upstairs would be like, it's a younger team and you're a little older, so upstairs would be like, I don't want you to come in and work out and practice while the team practices. Then it go from, oh, uh, you go on the trip with the team and just because you don't have nothing to do because y'all won't play me or even give me a jersey, oh, you know what, we don't even want you to travel no more or be around the team. And some people don't know the politics of that. It ain't all about, oh, he's a bad person or he did something wrong right. or that's somebody right. else. It's just that you would go to the team and the politics of it would be like, yeah, we ain't fucking with you. Right. And people right. think, you know, they so quick with media to point it at the players, be like, right. oh, right. he's yeah. the outcast yeah. and he's just detriment to the team. And right. it ain't always the case. A person don't do nothing wrong. It's just that shit. We don't want you around. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always politics and everything across the board. But for me, I learned at the early age with the Sixers. I was told that me and Allen was the only two untradeable players. I had a meeting with the GM, the coach, and the owner. And 10 minutes later, after I left the meeting, I was already gone to Milwaukee. Yeah. I learned that at an early age. And then with the Chicago thing, man, it, that really wasn't my fault. I mean, yeah. B.J. Armstrong was the assistant GM, and he felt like because we had the same agent that maybe he got some insight on talking yeah. to the agent and thought that that was going to be my decision. But, yeah, man, a lot of times, as players, I mean, we go through that kind of stuff. And, and you guys know, man, like, you might have been on the team where you felt as though you was better than, you know, the person ahead of you, but yeah. he had a bigger check than you. So it's like, yeah. they want, you know, it's like the, the circus come see the clowns and the, and the tigers. That's what it is, you know. The money guy's going to, you know, play ahead of you. So it's just politics and, and everything, man. I learned that early on. And then going through that situation with Chicago was – was hell. And even when I when I moved on from that, like they was telling Phoenix that, you know, I was a, a <laughs> yeah. bad person and, you know, yeah. I got fined 20, 30 times. Right, I'm like, yeah. well, where's the, you know, show me the pinks. Even all the way down to Dallas, my last two years of playing, telling Dallas, like, he's a bad person, he's this, he's that. You know, and I never got fined in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Not once. Okay, our teammates talking about you a bad person. Yeah, like, none of that. No like, teammates. Like, Everybody rock with him. But they didn't want me to follow – well, I didn't follow the rules that they were setting at that particular time because I thought it was dumb. They was doing psychological classes where they would put a tree in front of you and ask you, what is that? Right. Or put a tire in front of you and say, what is that? And I'm like, this has nothing to do with basketball. But, you know, you had all those young guys at that time. And, and the vets on that team was myself and Lindsey Hunter. Yeah. And, you know, Lindsey was on his way out and he was close to home, you know, yeah. being in Chicago. I think he was – living in Detroit. But I mean, at that time, man, it was just, it was weird, but business is business and politics is politics. Hey, tell me, how does it feel? Cause I see how much of an impact you have back in New Jersey and with your AAU team, the players, and tell me how it is for you to be able to give back and make a, such an impact with that program. And then to see a lot of kids going to college and stuff like that. Talk about how that makes you feel. Oh man, it's great. It's everything, man. It's 20, 23 years. <laughs> I started that my rookie year, and it's been great, man. We produced 24 NBA players, 19 right. McDonald's All-Americans, thousands of kids went to college. And also on the girls' side, I have a girls' day program, New Jersey Sparks, and that's 22 years, and we have six WNBA players. So, that's, that's hard, I mean, that's, that's what it's about, man. I mean, get put in a position where you're blessed and, you know, you want to be able to help others and you know those programs definitely have done their part and now we have a new program the players is kind of done there's a new program called new jersey scholars elite which is you know basically the same thing another AU program nike eybl program you know it's all about giving back man it's all about giving back and then now i'm on a school board at the school called pioneer academy in wayne new jersey i saw and that also you know head of basketball operations so you know, we're going to turn that thing into an East Coast version of Mount Verde or IMG where we, you know, give these kids what they've been missing. You know, a lot of times these kids, they play AAU ball, they get their rank and recognition and stuff like that, but they really don't have the skill set to survive. Yeah. You know, a lot of kids go into it, they really don't even hit the college floor to their sophomore, end of their right. sophomore year, junior year, and these are the same kids talking about they want to be pros, you know, so... To have two years to try to get it done is kind of difficult. So, you know, we just want to prepare our kids for when they touch the floor their freshman year or go to campus their freshman year, they're able to hit that floor a little bit, you know? 
Yeah, when I was in high school, we played against the Tim Thomas players. And yeah. I, I had uh, Tony Yale and Eddie Griffin. Uh-huh. Got to rest himself. Yeah. I Switch played for y'all Thomas. too, right? Who? Uh, JR. Yeah, JR. Earl yeah. Clark. <laughs> Earl Clark played for Earl y'all. Clark. Yeah. That's my young boy, easy. Yeah, yeah. Your game is so dope. You're one of my favorite people to watch play. Like, who instilled the game in you? Who you watched coming up? Like, who was them guys like, man, I want to be like them? Or Growing up, man, you know, early on, on TV at that particular time, if it was local, you watched the Knicks or the Nets, you know, whenever you could. But for the most part, the national games, you watch Magic and Bird. So, you know, being tall, being 6'9", I always, you know, wanted to be able to do all things on the court. So, you know, I watched a little bit of everybody, man, honestly, everybody. But Pip was my guy. Yeah, yeah Pippen was my guy. <laughs> you and him both. Yeah, you know, in high school, when the Bulls came to, to the East Coast or, or New York, New Jersey, you know, I was always, you know, at those games. So when Pip came about and got on that superstar status, Pip was the guy for me. Because he was watching them all. He did yeah. everything. Yeah, because he did everything. He did everything. You know, but before Pip, it was magic. And then, of course, everybody watched MJ, but you, know, you just wanted to get that all-around game. And then also playing against the older guys in my town and, you know, in the parks and stuff like that, that kind of helped you. Because, you know, on the playgrounds, man, you you miss a shot or you miss a layup or they take oh, the ball from you. Hey, what's the name? Pick your young ass. Yeah, exactly. So you, you got to grow up real fast in those parks, man. So, That's what these yeah. young kids don't no really mistake. get these no days. No. Uh, they don't have a clue, man. They don't have a clue. Hey, tell me this. So, like, you didn't make McDonald's All-American games, freshman of the year, top 10 draft pick, all type of deals and money. But how did it feel to have a street named after you in your hometown and for the whole city? You got a day. You got the key to the city. You got a street in your hometown named Tim Thomas. Like, how do that feel, bro? It's great, man. It's, it's a great honor. It's actually on 11th Ave. I lived on 11th Ave twice coming up. I mean, it's right in front of my old high school. So, you know, it's just the history and, and the aura of that building. You know, we had guys like Kyle Henderson, Darren Watkins. He played at Syracuse, played in the NBA for a little bit. Victor Cruz came through there. Stanley Jackson, he played at Ohio State. And one of the fastest guys ever from New Jersey, Jason Perry. I forget what college he went to, but he played with the uh, Chargers for a few years. And then uh, T.J. Cummins, who's actually still in the NBA. And there's a couple other young fellas that play football as well. But it's just a great honor, man. I mean, from my city, you have guys like Ruben Hurricane Carter, Abba Costello, you know, myself, Larry Doby. Just to be a part of that, man, it, it means everything. Out of all the teams you played for, if you had to pick four other players, like from all the teams, if you had to pick four other players to play with, who would be four other players? Mm, four other players. All the teams you play with, you combine them all, who the four players out of all of them you would pick? <laughs> all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Allen, Allen at the two, Steve at the one. I put myself at the three. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll put Derek Coleman at the four. Ooh, DC. Yeah, and at the five, man, I'll, I'll probably go Matumbo at the five. You no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Love I'll Big Dikembe, man. Like, I got and another for you. This one's going to be a little tricky. It's start bench cut, Uh-oh. but one more, kick him out the league. So it's just four players, oh. start bench cut, or kick him out Whoa. the league. Damn, why you got to <laughs> kick him out the league? You naming the players? Are you naming the players? The players is Durant, LeBron, Bird, and Pippen. Oh. <laughs> I got to start one, kick cut. one out the league. Start one, bench one, cut one, <laughs> the other one out the league. Boy, you hit you with the curveball right there. Yeah, like. <laughs> I'm going to have to kick Bird out the league. <laughs> don't make Larry, no Larry Legend is getting listen to this. Go ahead. I know, I know, but listen, look at the list. Here. I know that's what I'm saying. This is the predicament <laughs> he put you in, right? right. 
gonna have to kick Bird out the league. I'm gonna start LeBron, and I'm gonna have to bench KD. And you gonna have to cut Pip. And I'm gonna have to cut Pip. Oh. <laughs> you gotta make sure you say it, Bird. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Going off, going off of right now. But normally, <laughs> I will flip it around. Right. Yeah, I will flip it around. KD will probably be out the league. And then I will probably start Pip. Yeah. I probably would bench Bird. Right. Yeah. You coming up, you've seen a lot of basketball and you've seen a lot of guys along the way from the Twine Walkers to the Kobe's to Jermaine O'Neal's. And, and you know, when we go through this AAU circuit and this whole high school thing, we see so many guys and we see guys that we thought was going to make it mm-hmm. and guys that did make it or surprised us that make it. Like, who was that guy that was like, when you seen him coming up and all that stuff, he was just a walking bucket. <laughs> Every time you see him, he was just that walking bucket. My guy from Chicago, Ronnie Fields. Mm. <laughs> Ronnie Fields was amazing, man. I mean, For real. Just the way, you know, he played the game and it looked so easy. He had like that grown man strength. Similar to myself, you know, but and all the guys in our class, but he was just different, man. And I wish the accident would have never happened. I wish he would have been able to showcase his talent in in the 96 McDonald's All-American game and that Magic Round Ball game. He's a guy that I know for sure. If he would have been able to lace him up in in, in our league, he would have really did some damage. Could you imagine him and Vince Carter? Yo, it, yo, I'm telling you, he he was definitely going. I feel like he was definitely yeah. going straight out, and I feel like he yeah. definitely would have either won or competed or put yeah. on a crazy show in the dunk contest because he. Yeah, to- I mean, you know, when we was coming up, you know, different high school showcases or even in, you know during AAU time, if it was certain guys that played before you, you had to get to the gym and, and check them out. And I think we was in Cincinnati, and Ronnie was playing before us. And, you know, normally, you know, you don't like to – you want when you walk in the gym, you want to control the gym. Yeah. You know how to bag the swag and all that. And I was like, no, nah, I got to go see Ronnie, man. And he put on the show before us, and then I capped it off. But, yeah, Ronnie Fields, man, was definitely a guy that you had the opportunity to go see him play. You would have definitely been impressed. So we were same conference as him, bro. I was in the same conferences, and he was a year high older school? than me. Yes, he was a year older high than school? me, but I got this up close and personal. Yeah. The boy gonna walk on air, yeah. telling you, <laughs> levitate. He had the Jordan gene, like he had the walk. That man yeah. to lay out in air. He wasn't six six. That's what made it crazy. He was like right. six three right. or something. I'm talking about like six four or something. Man, boy used to get up in the air, boy. <laughs> him and Paul McPherson in Chicago, they was the levitators. Them boys used to fly. Yeah, yeah, we was in a couple of circuits together. We didn't play against each other that much, but we was always in the same area. So, you know, guys like that, when you know they're on that list and they're right there, it's like, let me go, let me go scout a little bit and see what he got going on. But uh, he worked yeah, Ronnie, yeah Ron, Ronnie was different, man. He could score the ball inside, outside, jump over you, all of that kind of thing. And was strong enough to carry you as well. So I could just imagine, Q, you know, you having a, Go up against that, man. Bro. <laughs> Straight up. When I came out, they was trying to give me the credit of, oh man, you the first six nine guy to dribble the ball <laughs> and all this stuff. But like that truly, like I tell everybody all the time, like, man, me seeing you play or seeing Lamar Odom, like Tron mm-hmm. Walker was a guy who dribbled the ball. Of course, Pip with the point forward and stuff. Like I was the guy who kind of paved the way for me. Mm-hmm. To even think that I can be six nine and dribble and be fast and you know what I'm saying I actually can play on the wing because you know being a big guy, the first thing coming up in high school, you the center of the power forward. Right. Got somebody bigger than you, you're gonna be powerful. But if not, you're gonna play center. I don't give a fuck how much you can dribble. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like I played center during pro am <laughs> I played on the wing. During high school, I played center. When I got to the league, I finally played the three. With a coach, you know what I'm saying? Was that the same experience, like, kind of for you? No, not for me. In high school, I pretty much did what I wanted to do in high school. (laughs) Everything. Everything. Um, And and you guys could go on I Am Tim Thomas, the documentary. Check out some old clips. I'm putting the doc together. But 
in high school, man, I was all over the place. I played, you know, one through five in high school. And then, you know, my college decision basically came down to me being able to play the three. And that's why I went to Nova. You know, going into the league, man, I was like, look, I'm, you know, you know how you put it down, either you go power forward or small forward. Nope, strictly small forward. Like, but no, man, like, you know, yeah. playing in the greatest era in right, those 90s, right. man, you had a lot of guys that can handle the ball. Um, six, was, nine, six, ten. <laughs> yeah, you know, deadlift strength, you know, guys like that, man, that can shoot the ball and handle the ball and, you know, get everybody involved. So the yeah. game was changing at that particular time, but we latched on at the perfect time, dude, because when you watch the NBA now, you just see us in, in yeah. all the All us. <laughs> yeah. You see us, six, nine, six, ten shooting threes and stuff like that. So when you look at Kevin Durant, because that's basically some DNA for you mm-hmm. to see Kevin Durant, 6'10", got dribble, shooting it from range, long dunk, yeah. he, he do everything. He post up. Right. right. A guy like that play and, and knowing that's from this, that point forward, small forward DNA. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. how I remember his rookie year, and I'm like, well, first of all, Kevin Durant is seven foot. Let's stop saying that he's <laughs> six eleven. He's the seven footer, right? That's number one. So, right. I remember his rookie year, man, playing against him, and I'm like, man, like, okay, yeah, I'm getting a little older, but he just reminded me so much of myself, you know, coming in. I mean, he wasn't as bulk and as strong, but yeah. skill set wise, I'm like, you know, this guy is out on the three point line, just. Crossover after crossover after crossover. Whatever you want. Having, yeah, and still having his balance and, you know, stuff together to be able to get a good shot off. Anytime you get a good shot off, man, with that height, you know, it's almost a 90% chance that it's going in. But mm-hmm. it's great, man, when you look at just the way the game has changed and, you know, knowing that you was a guy that was pretty much doing that at an early age. I remember my Milwaukee days. I was, you know, six man. I was the first sub. It didn't matter for who. No matter who. Yeah. <laughs> you come, man. Uh, no, you yeah. come. <laughs> and, and like you right. said, you know, earlier, uh, D, you know, playing against, you know, Shaq, you know, having to guard Shaq on one end and then, you know, having him guard me on the other end and, you know, being able to stretch the floor, shoot threes or go around them or whatever the case may be. It was everything, man. I remember playing in the playoffs. I, I believe it was 01 or, or maybe 2000 against the Pacers. And they had the Davis boys out there, strong, oh, strong, you know, uh, big Rick, Rick Smiths. And, you know, I was just using my skill set and stuff to, to get around them, right. you know, my yeah. quickness, handling the ball and stuff like that. So when you watch the game now, man, you see all of that, you know, just 6'10", 6'9", you know, 6'11", seven-footers, you know, handling, shooting the ball, man. It's, it's amazing. Watching the last dance and everything that went on with that, what was your takeaways? Like, how did how did you feel about it, Doc? I mean, obviously we all loved it and it was crazy, but was it any like type of new information that you really didn't know or that you kind of knew or something like that? Just the insight on on MJ. I love all of the stuff, the pregame stuff, how he was kind of separate, away from everybody else, no matter where he was at. I think that was amazing. You know, you get a chance to really get some insight on just the beginning of the game, him wearing new shoes almost every game. That's unheard of. Uh, Back then, especially. Yeah, yeah. Like, But no, man, I mean, just overall, it was great, man, just to get some insight on, you know, how he pushed the the new players that never really won the championship and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it was great, man. It was great. That was a little tripped out thing to see how, like, he would be, like, a different <laughs> locker room or something. Like, where he at? Like, what he doing? <laughs> Right, with the coffee and, and the security guys and everybody else somewhere else. So it was, it's a little different, man. He had his own office, like, <laughs> like assistant coaches, but they say, right, like he, right, yeah. And then you know, me being a former bull, just going back to my mind a little bit, trying to think about the locker room, like, okay, right. yeah, so he that was his room over here. That's where he was chilling at. All the yeah, time. and I seen some people make tweets to play with the bull, like, man, we ain't never pulled all the way up into the arena like that. Then they said, oh, I had to look at the <laughs> look at the red range and remember who that was doing it. Like, okay, I forgot. He probably got a special little spot in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was only a few people that was allowed to pull up in there. You know, I wasn't allowed to pull up, pull up in there. But well, my ears, <laughs> they, they would want me to take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> it was raining, and they don't let you up in that zone. Oh, oh, man. Man. Nah, not Tim. He got to park outside. 
tell me about your documentary you're doing. I mean, obviously, I know about it because we talk and I follow you on, on on social media and stuff. But tell me about what you're doing with your Tim Thomas documentary. Us as former players and retired players, you know, the young the younger generation don't really get a chance to really grasp what you you know what you was back then. So it's just basically just trying to show the kids, you know, how I grew up in Patterson, the small town that I grew up in Patterson, all the obstacles I had to go through, you know, in the early '80s. Of course, everybody watched that lean on me. And I grew up right there, like literally in that same block when the crack era hit, you know, right. and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's just, you know, my story. And then also showing, you know, the basketball mm. side of it with being at Passing Catholic and just the growth throughout the years with going to college, you know, in the NBA. And, you know, it's just some of the things that happened to me, you know, throughout my life, in the middle of my life of playing and stuff like that. So, it's your typical documentary, but it's just my life. It's not anyone else's. So coming from where we come from, the first day we'd be like, "Nah, I take this to the grave. I don't gotta say nothing about nothing <laughs> or, or bring nothing up." But now we in the era that, man, I, I and I'm older now, and I got kids now. It's like, man, I want to tell my story. I want to hear Tim Thomas' story. I want to hear this person's story. It's like right. we're in the day and age now, and it feels so good to kind of release that let it get out your mind. That was one of the things doing with TPT, doing with the article, or even doing this. One thing I love about our podcast and what we're doing, man, we get to be fans of guys that, man, right. we admired and we appreciate it. And some guys don't even know that we even felt this way. You know, when we played, I'm not going to tell you I fuck with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to kill What I seen in both of y'all, so I don't like man. saying them. Big dog, my guy, like, like, oh, Tim Thomas, yeah. man, they got Mace over that bitch. You know what I'm saying? You see him, but it's like, when you get on that court, you can't give them no love. You got to show them. And I'm just glad to even be on a platform like this where I can give players like you and all the players that I, I grew up admiring. Even when I was playing, I was admiring for them for to tell them, like, man, man I thought you was just one of the dopest. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it, man. We all appreciate it, man, as former players, man. We, I, I definitely love what you guys are doing, man. You know, I've been tuned in. That's the uh, money question, Q. Oh, yeah, that's what I got to know. Big, big, big pockets over here, man. When you first got the bag, what did you do? You know how we all did something where it was like, I don't know if it was a whip, if it was some jewelry, or it could have been both. What did you do when you got the bag? And, and then, but also with that question, if I'm correct, you didn't have the rookie scale when you came in, right? Our scale was, I think it was a five-year. Yeah. Rookie that was like a five-year, but it was definitely a limit on it. I don't know exactly oh, Okay, what. so you came in after they had put the limit in there. Okay. I yeah, thought, after they put the After Big yeah. Dog. You missed it by one year then. You missed it by one year, though, because J.O. was in it. J.O. got the whatever. J.O. went straight to the league. Right, 96. so him and Kobe then, you missed it by, ooh, you missed it by one year. Just big yeah, that Dog. Was my, that was yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, big dog, big dog killed it. But uh Yeah, so 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 what so what did you do when you got the bag? Man, actually when I first signed with my agent, the very first thing I got, and I still was in the hood. I got the big body, the S six hundred. That was the first thing. So I had a I had a car sitting outside my house or our apartment at the time, worth more than we had in the bank at the <laughs> So that was that was the first thing. Once I really got my hands on my actual money, first thing I did was take care of my mom's. Straight so up. I got her house, got her situated and everything. But that was the first two things. Um, that, that big body. Got. I had to pay my agent. That big body. Yeah, I had to pay my agent back for the big body. And then I got my mom's, you know, got her situated. Yes, Lord. Yeah, black on black, too. That's how we like it right there. Somebody's getting cats don't know that. They want to call us black. Everything. Come on. Like the Batmobile. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. You know yeah. it. Everything black. But you just yeah. made his millennium right now, bro. You just... Hey, that's, hey. That's black, but we know this. Hey, man, I'm black. Oh, I need everything black. Right. Anytime, Q, anytime Q getting on you, doing the rest of y'all y'all podcast series, just let him know. You're going to call TT. And I'm Straight on. up. <laughs> Straight up. All black everything. All black everything. That boy is hilarious. Hey, man, that's a wrap, man. It's been real. We've been chilling with our OG, our big homie, the New Jersey legend. We got Tim Thomas in the building with us, man. We appreciate you, bro. All the 
the time, man. It's always love, fellas. My young fellas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you for not acting the ass right there, Darius. That was cool. Nah, nah dude, you got to be yourself, man, because I always see you acting the ass, man. <laughs> when you listen to D, when you act the ass, it's for us, the dark skin brothers. It's for okay, us, I'm man. Right. I mean, I can check these light skin cats, man. Be- I know. I know, man. I know, man. Shaking my head because I'm not like light skin, but all right. Um, Q, you need, Q, you need another about two months in the pool, man. Gotta get outside early. Don't be getting no tans. How you in Florida? You're gonna get not a tan. Cause he he go outside at six p.m. He like me. Yeah. So I go outside. I'm not going into the sun. I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm not going into the sun. I'm gonna tell you that now. Yeah. The Players Tribune. Dot com.